This is my town and this is my people. <laughs> I like it. Listeners, welcome to a new episode of a free podcast. I'm your co-host Rob, and joined as always by my my good friends Joe and Duff. I always have a point. <laughs> <laughs> Opinions vary on that, but I feel very strongly <laughs> that I always do. I'm I'm pointless, except when I am not. Uh, so if you're listening to this and you're like, "Wait a minute, Midnight Boys, you guys promised me a Bond season, and it's true." Well, we did. It's not a Bond thing if it's not delayed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we delivered, but we much had like inv- much like MGM, we're paying a million dollars in interest every week. <laughs> <laughs> our our 2021 started with a wonderful gift, and and you get this gift as well. We got this is our special, our bonus episode. A Patreon forked over the fifty dollars to have us talk about any movie in the entire world. And they chose the point. So before we jump into what the point is and stuff, I'm going to give you guys the information I got from our our wonderful listener, Sadie, here. Okay? She even says, because I'm going to write a little essay for my request for you. I have yet to regret any tipsy late-night purchases, and I don't think this will disappoint. (laughs) Challenge (laughs) accepted. (laughs) Uh, She said, I got to thinking about which film I'd select should i be the lucky patreon chosen for the december movie uh and she didn't win fyi um uh, if you don't know what we're talking about any patrons in november we said anyone would choose someone random and they could pick a movie and we did pan's labyrinth that's all in the patreon feed okay so she said the choice is obvious to provide a little background we were pretty destitute when i was growing up it was a big deal when we got a vcr for my grandparents for christmas in the late 80s my aunt and uncle conspired with my grandparents and taped a bunch of stuff off various cable channels so we'd have a cache of good stuff to watch right away. One of those tapes was, appropriately, full of kids' Christmas shows and movies. At the end of this Christmas tape was a bewildering nugget of fantastic weirdness called The Point. It came out in 1971. Now, this particular aunt and uncle always were recreational stoners and big <laughs> Beatles fans. Uh, this all points checks out. Get to Ringo Starr narrates this uh, show. Uh, so it well, made sense on made, some, in some level. versions. <laughs> yes. So it made sense on some level. It's not even remotely a Christmas movie, but it forever will be in my mind because of its placement on the dubbed tape we got as kids. I share this trip of a movie with folk as often as I can as their reactions only improve the experience. I have a sneaking suspicion that you all may enjoy it very much. This is my belated gift to myself, so have fun and make it a good one. I hope that tape had the McDonald's commercials at the time. and the, oh, with and the Hamburglar? Well, I think I was just reading the other day about how kids of the 1970s and 80s who still had to more or less watch TV on appointment have McDonald's commercials burned into their brain mm. because... Because, like, you know, if it was It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown was on, it would be brought to you by McDonald's. Yeah. So I feel like this is a special where every commercial break would be McDonald's and a bunch of toys or something. And this and this was, I mean, I think we all are in the same boat. We all had like 
the the VHS tapes that are that you know we recorded or our parents had recorded or someone had that had found their way to us and they had all sorts of stuff on it. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, or or just like VHS tapes you had in the home, but you don't remember when it was recorded. Just just like where where did this come or, from? Yeah, or the unlabeled ones. You never knew what was going to yeah. come up next. <laughs> um. Okay, so here's the thing. I actually knew about this beforehand because about a year ago we did yet another Patreon episode on Popeye, and Harry Nilsson does the soundtrack for that. And I went into a big time Harry Nilsson kick. Ended up listening to a ton of his stuff. Now, we've talked about him a little bit on Forrest Gump Minute because um, everyone's talking plays on there. And we talked about him quite a bit and uh, on the Popeye episode, and we'll talk about him a lot today. But this was one of the albums that I had listened to. And Me and My Arrow, I just loved Me and My Arrow. I love that song. And um, I never thought to like that I would track down and or we would watch this movie. But here we are. We watched The Point. It's on... Amazon Prime, you could find it on YouTube, and let me tell you, every version that I've seen looks like it, it came off a dubbed VHS. It, it <laughs> yeah, it it looks like someone stomped on the film. <laughs> <laughs> it, Which I think is perfect. The, oh yeah. Like yeah. it would it would not feel right to watch this in pristine quality. Like this looks like the Zapruder film. <laughs> So what is the point? So the point is, uh, <laughs> people could ask that a lot, I guess, about our podcast. Um, this point, the point was an album that Harry Nilsson uh, made in 1971. And then it is like, there is narration. There's a story to it all. All these songs are on it in the, in the CD, which is just, or the album, which is just 32 minutes long. The narration is done by um, Nilsson himself. Mm-hmm. on the actual so um you can hear that there's like narration on the town and the game and all sorts of stuff which we'll get to um and there's a whole story that we'll get into about the different narrators that this that this had but pretty quickly after that it was turned in they actually took this and turned it into like a you know a 70 minute special that it, was put on abc when commercials were added this was a two-hour movie and I believe it was the first animated made-for-TV movie. I mean, prior to this, you had half-hour specials, like or an hour special. Like, uh, I mean, the the kings of this format were uh, Arthur Rankin and Jules Bass, Rankin and Bass, and they had Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer mm-hmm. and eight hundred other claymation or animated specials. But this was like a two-hour movie of the week on ABC, and it was the first of its kind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so what happens in this? Let me quickly go over this. So, Ken, I'm sure that you guys found the the money quote about the inspiration for this. Yes, um, yes. Is it yeah, okay if, so good. if I... Go ahead. Is it, okay, so Harry Nelson, uh, <laughs> he liked to party. <laughs> sure did. Um, and he for said... For better or worse. <laughs> uh, he said, I was on acid and I looked at the trees and I realized that they all came to points. And the little branches came to points, and the houses came to point. I thought, oh, everything has a point, and if it doesn't, then there's no point to it. Yep. <laughs> um, 
that's and that's pretty much the movie. But I I think we need to explain a little more because a little there's a little more happening in this movie. Just just if you have that mentality in mind, the movie makes a lot more sense. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So what happens? Okay. Well, there is a place uh, where everyone everything has a point. Literally, everything has a point. People have pointy heads. Buildings have points. Everything has a point. And then uh, making points was the main activity, they say, at one point, which made me laugh because, like, isn't that what the Internet's for now? Um, (laughs) It's it's the land of content. (laughs) Yes. But the the kid named Oblio is born, and he has no point. There's no point on his head. So he's got very loving parents, and they – they uh, they make him a pointed hat, um, and he wears that around, and he's got a delightful dog named Arrow, and him and Arrow, you know, hang out and play, and he gets challenged to a triangle toss, which is the national pastime, <laughs> <laughs> which is throwing a triangle, because it's got to have a point, and then trying to catch it. On your he, point. He does this against uh uh the the child of the count and this child of this count's a real asshole has there ever been a good <laughs> count in movies and fiction like mm. counts are always bad just from sesame well, street well ju- i was about to say the the sesame street count but yeah in, yep. in general if there's a count uh stay away from that guy that's true yeah that's true uh so so they they play the game and uh and Oblio and Arrow win. Now, I will say, the fact that he uses dog to help could be maybe the, talked about as not fair. <laughs> there were there were some Harlem Globetrotter shenanigans here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the Count's kid is really upset. He goes to the Count to complain about it. And then the Count's like, we got to do something about this. And then he goes to the king, who's totally clueless, and says, like, man, we got laws about having things about points. And that kid's got no point. And so they have a a, a tribunal. <laughs> There's like a whole trial sequence and all this, and, uh, and then the child is put to death. The child yeah. pretty is, sad ending to the movie. The child is banished, and they send <laughs> the dog with them. They gotta gotta send Arrow too. The dog's gotta go. So off Oblio goes. I like how po- his parents are just like, "Oh, what are we gonna do? That's the law." <laughs> We'll just pack. Yeah, there's a lot of like kind of fun stuff. Like, well, I don't like the law like that either, but that's the law, you know. Um, and so uh, they send him off to the pointless forest, and then things start getting real weird. He meets uh, a pointed man that has three faces. He meets a rock man who says it ain't necessary to have a point. He meets the three curvy women. He meets. He meets uh some. Some girls with ass is who he meets. <laughs> Bouncing around. At that point, I watched this. I should point out, I watched this movie with my seven-year-old son. At that point, he just goes, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, it is. Uh, so they go on the forest. They meet a tree guy who's all about work, and he designs and creates leaves. Then a giant bird grabs him, and then there's an egg that hatches. And there's bees earlier. And then they realize the pointed man is pointless. And then Are You Sleeping plays. And that song is an absolute banger. And then he wakes At up. At one point, like, his dog disappears into the netherworlds. And he goes oh, yeah, and grabs the, him. And... The vanishing point. Yeah. Anyways, all this happens. He wakes up. There's a big sign pointing to the destination. 
they go into town. Everyone's happy to see them. Uh, and, you know, he talks to the count and says, like, hey, I went to the pointless forest and it wasn't pointless. There's points everywhere and all this stuff. And essentially what happens is everyone agrees that Oblio does have a point. And then he grows a point, and then everyone else no longer has points, including all the buildings and mountains and everything. And he takes his hat off, and he has a point now. And um, that's the movie. Did I miss anything really important, guys? Uh, it's not important, but it's uh, there's a framing convention, and that yes, uh, yeah, uh, that is important, I, like I guess. That. Uh, I mean, I, I don't even know if it matters, but it's, a, it's a, a dad telling the story to his son, and the dad is upset that the son just wants to watch TV. Um, it, very so, Princess Bride. Yeah. Um, it, it's with, great because like the, the movie ends with the father being like, oh, so do you see the the lesson in this story? And the kid sort of like half-assedly is like, yeah, I guess the point is this. I don't know. I was only sort of half paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> That basically the the end of the film is the uh, the audience of the story. This young boy being like, "Yeah, it was all right. I, I guess I did it. <laughs> I more or less get it." I thought that yeah. was pretty actually genuinely pretty great. <laughs> so so that is the point. Um, well, we 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 mentioned this before. Oh, let me real quick. I want to give you guys a review. My son had for it. I think it's important. We get a seven year old's um, point of view on here. He said at that point, I he said this is weird. Um, I asked him if he liked it. He said it was pretty good. He likes how the Count loses his point and then Oblio gets a point. He also, his favorite character was the giant bird. And then today before recording, I asked him how he would rank it. And he says it's a 55 out of 100. <laughs> hmm. so, well, that's or rot- he said 6 out of 10 if you need him to round up. <laughs> well, that's rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, he could mean it's above average, which is fine. yeah, yeah. I no, I, I it seems like Sam gave it a begrudging good review. Yeah, yeah. Well, my review is it's very good, and I like how many characters in the in the film are sort of vaguely nude. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I don't even know if the three women are vaguely nude. They're just uh, hopping they're... around. With... Well, they but they don't have nipples. That's true, but they got hoots flopping around. There's, yeah, but they see they seem contained. Like it just and and then the the boy is just sort of a smooth nude. <laughs> smooth nude. There's also uh, a lot of like vaginas drawn in. I think. Yes, I noticed a couple of those too. Um, yeah, it is very like uh, you know. 60s trippiness uh psychedelic uh, a little bit uh animation yeah once works, he gets though. out of, once he gets out of that stupid kingdom then things really start popping off yeah, yeah. Good. Like, like when they're tossing that up. triangle around i was like God, this oh is that rock man that was that's, that's good stuff <laughs> yeah but, then, yeah. but when, so, after that then it gets really cool when it starts getting kind of surreal yeah. yeah you mentioned this earlier i think it's important to bring up there is um a narrator that's narrating this. Um, this is when we get into like the weird, um, when did you see this movie on TV and how that would influence you? So I mentioned the album, Harry Nielsen, you know, made this album and he's, a, he's a narrator of his own album. Um, their narration is more or less identical to what's in the, in the movie and the original TV version that came out. The narrator is played by Dustin Hoffman. Yep. Uh, Which is wild. Who did it for twenty thousand dollars, but they did not negotiate for any re-airings. Yep. 
Well, he, I think he explicitly said you can only use it for the initial broadcast and that's it. So, so that happens. And then in the, when they, when they put it on video later on, they had Ringo Starr do the narration, which makes sense because Harry Nielsen's like, and him are friends. And this, Um, and this is very yellow submarine uh, animation style. And if you had seen this movie on like a re-airing of it in the eighties, apparently it was Alan Thicke who was a narrator. <laughs> Downgrade. I mean, I, I look. I, 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 love Growing Pains as next as as much as the next person. But yeah, you go from Dustin Hoffman, <laughs> Ringo Starr, Alan Thicke. So Dustin Hoffman must have thought it was really gonna suck, right? But he also wanted to buy a summer house somewhere. And at the time, it was kind of, uh, this would be like. Uh, postgraduate so kind of like the height of Dustin Hoffman's uh, first bout of fame mm-hmm. so and at the time it wasn't cool to do animated movies animated movies that's true animated movies were for like has-beens so maybe that's what Hoffman thought he's like oh, I don't look I like Harry Nelson but I don't you know I don't want to be associated as some like has-been doing animated movies when i can't get anything else so uh, it's a one and done yeah this is like graduate midnight cowboy little big man era yeah yeah that's 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 a good point um so okay all right we got to talk about harry nelson and i know if you're a patreon you may have heard us talk about this because when on popeye which has the song everything is food (laughs) it's just an (laughs) all-time song (laughs) i'm also a big fan of i mean from yes, I mean, there's a lot on the Popeye soundtrack I like. So, like, these different Nielsen joints are just fueled by different chemicals, I think. <laughs> Popeye is very much booze and cocaine, right? Yeah. And and this is this is all this is all this in the psychedelic realm. Yeah, this is this is shrooms and LSD. Yeah, and I would say, like, on this Elm alone, like, Me and My Arrow is awesome. Uh, uh, are you sleeping? And uh, the think about your troubles are three like legit, really good pop songs. Mm-hmm. And I was, I didn't know that I was familiar with me and my arrow. I had heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. It which, was, which was actually a single from that album. Mm-hmm. The only, yeah. And that's the thing about Harry Nielsen. If you're like, I don't know, I've heard the name. I don't know his stuff. You know, a lot of Harry Nielsen yeah, songs. You do. You just don't know it. He was, he wasn't a hermit, but he eschewed the typical uh, rock lifestyle and that he didn't like touring, which I identify with a lot. He didn't actually. tour like any big venues. He refused to. Yeah, he didn't tour. He he's just like, kind of. He's like, I could just do drugs at home. Yeah, he, <laughs> man, he did. He hung out with like John Lennon and Frank Zappa, and um, a fun piece of trivia that I didn't even fully put together until today. Uh, Harry Nielsen partied so hard that, uh, respectively, Mama Cass and Keith Moon both OD'd in his apartment. Yeah, so I was going to talk about his his flat of death in London. Um, yeah, he he, you know, like this this like when the point came out, like this is this is prime Nielsen time. Like he was much like Hoffman, he was putting out a lot of like stuff and a lot of good stuff. Um, was, like this post, had, was this post? Was this post Nelson? No, this is the same one. year. So this is before. okay. Yeah, like so yeah, this before. was. So this was peak, kind of peak fame, I think, for Harry yeah. Nelson. 
if you come out of anything on this, like go listen to some Harry Nielsen. Put on like I'm sure like that this is Harry Nielsen on Spotify yeah. is great. I don't know. That but, said, there also is a lot of weird nonsense Harry Nielsen stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also kind of fun. But the point isn't really like it's not I mean, there's narration and stuff, but like I don't think it's I mean, the songs all around it are like they're all good and fun. I, I think. mean, mm-hmm. we were joking around the intro about Harry Nelson, but like even Harry Nelson's nonsense stuff, the production and his voice are so good. They're like, yeah, I'm into this, even though I have no clue what it's about. Yeah, I read that uh, early on in his career on like one of the album reviews, they were like, they were saying how they were kind of frustrated that he didn't give credit to his wonderful backup singers, which were all him. Yeah, I was <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was you know, like, what you're saying, I was like, if he, if he harmonizes with himself, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, but, like, people weren't really doing it. That's, like, you yeah. know, he's, he's, yeah. so, uh, if you like the Beatles, you'll like Harry Nielsen. I think it's, I don't know. I mean, they're similar. Uh, another fun fact about him, uh, he was a computer programmer. Yes, I learned that, too. And that's why Rob likes him so much. <laughs> and Developers, developers, developers. Developers, 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 developers. <laughs> like, he worked, he was a... Uh, he worked as a computer programmer at a bank <laughs> and then just kind of gradually got interested in music. Yeah. Yeah. And then as you mentioned, and we have to talk about this, he had a flat in London in the seventies and it became famous because to die there <laughs> <laughs> because mama Cass for the mamas and the papas goes there and she dies um and and from heart failure at 32 i mean okay and then uh you know a few years later i think four years later keith moon from the who yeah. dies at 32 on an overdose keith, in, harry he Nils- wasn't there harry nielsen wasn't even there for those times yeah but neither one of them no oh wow <laughs> so like imagine that like now go ahead you can stay at my flat just don't, don't go dying on me <laughs> okay oh. so listen a few years ago th- this big lady died on the floor it, we got it cleaned up i just we got want the you ham to know sandwich out of there <laughs> uh, and that's that's the thing too is that you know once all right stuff happens but then can you imagine like the second call it's like hey yeah it's harry yep again <laughs> And what's wild about it is obviously after Keith Moon died, he was like, all right, I can't hold on to this place anymore. This is terrible. <laughs> so he sells it. Do you guys know who who bought it from him? No. No, but I bet Pete, it's hilarious. Pete Townshend. Oh. What? He bought it the place where his drummer died? Yes. Pete Townshend's, God, man. Pete Townshend's a, he's a weirdo, man. So, right. this, so this is the dude who got a two-hour primetime animated movie in 1971 yeah with with dustin hoffman yeah which is just crazy so arguably at the time two of the biggest counterculture figures or subculture like you and had, they had the midnight cowboy connection too i just realized yeah so you had harry nelson who's kind of like this singer singer and is associated with all these like hip acts and a studio wizard and and he was also like a guy who who I don't know what the comparison would be, but like if you were really into music, you really liked him. Like uh, yeah. famously in like the late sixties, the Beatles were asked like, "Who's like who's making the best music in America?" and, and they said Nielsen. There's there's a somewhat famous quote where Little Richard says like, "You sing really well for a white guy." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean he's he's awesome. So yeah, this, like a big deal. Yeah, Joe. 
I know you have a topic you want to talk about that I don't know much about. So I am, I'm a big fan of the noble voice actor. <laughs> okay. Which, who Duff uh, maligned earlier. But, well, um, I did not malign. I'm just saying at the time, it, this is an objective fact. If you did a- animation or animated movies, that was viewed as that was not legit. This was not in the era when like Robin Williams does a Disney movie. That's yeah. all. That's all I meant. I know that's what you meant. I'm just giving yeah. you a hard time. So I wanted to talk about the gentleman who played. Well, he plays several roles in the film, but the probably the one that stands out the most is the the tree guy, the leaf. Guy. Okay. <laughs> And as I was the watching the, the film, I, I, what, the thing that... It is it, an ant. <laughs> yeah, an ant. Um, he, a little more industrious than the ants were. Yes, works a little harder. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so he, uh, I was like, thought that that voice sounded a little bit familiar. And then, and it turned out it was wrong, but it did prompt me to like look up who did it. And it, re- I, it made me realize this is a voice actor whose work I'm intimately familiar with and had no idea that I was and that is the great Paul Freese. Okay. And I I know that Duff I know you both love a good Hollywood story. Mm-hmm. And I think that Paul Freese is is one such great story. Is it Paul Freese like Mr. Freese? I'm not t- totally sure I guess how his uh, name is pronounced but it's 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 like F R E E S. Oh okay, okay. Um so, I'm so pretty Paul much Freeze. all I know about uh Paul Freese is that he was he did a ton of voice work and i know he was uh boris badenoff on rocky and bullwinkle mm-hmm. and that that's where my knowledge ends okay so paul freeze was born in chicago in 1920 okay so like many i think actors from this era he sort of had a fascinating route to get to hollywood and he started out as a vaudeville comedian okay uh like many people in this line of work did or were in vaudeville, he was Buddy Green, That's good which name. is like a great vaudeville comedian. Yeah, name, I think. I like yeah, it. and but his born name is Solomon Hirsch Freeze, so you can guess why he changed yeah, his name. Not not as punchy. <laughs> he was uh, sent off to fight in World War II, and he was wounded at D-Day in Normandy. Oh wow! And sent back home. And so when he got back home after he recuperated from his wounds, he went back to school under the GI Bill. And he wanted to become a painter. And I should note that this uh, comes from an essay. A lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it comes from an essay I read on allears.net. <laughs> so thank you to them. Okay. I have no idea what the main purpose of this website so is. But... He's a vaudevillian actor who goes, serves in World War II, gets injured at D-Day. Go become a painter. So he goes to painting school, but his wife got sick, so he dropped out of school and had to get a job to help pay her medical bills. And he gets sure. a job in at, uh, in radio. Now I don't uh, exactly know what this means, but he had a four octave voice. Okay, <laughs> wow. I mean, it just means he had a lot of range, which that's I, wild. Because assuming is amazing, right? Ha- Harry Nilsson. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I saw that Harry Nilsson, who is regarded as one of the best voices, has three and a half. <laughs> so. According to this essay, at least, he had a four-octave voice. And if you look at the different roles that he played over his career, you, you'll definitely believe it. And he, so he could do so many voices that he immediately was just a sensation on radio and, and well, much sought after, which okay. led him to start working at Disney. And he was usually, at least initially, working as a narrator. So you have for sure 
heard Paul Frees narrate stuff. Uh, the most notable live action film, well, there's a lot of them, but the big one of the big breakout ones was the Absent Minded Professor. He's the narrator mm-hmm. of that film with Fred McMurray. Uh, and then he also starts voicing animated characters. And his most famous uh, breakout role was Ludwig von Drake, Donald Duck's uncle. Okay. And another place where you've almost certainly heard his voice is he is the narrator of Donald Duck in Math Magic Land. Oh, I love that one. I don't know that. It's uh, it's an educational short. Okay. <laughs> and I know it because uh, my seventh grade algebra teacher would just show it when he didn't want to work (laughs) (laughs) king and the 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 one gag i remember that's really good is uh donald comes across these tree stumps tree stumps that are square and goes oh square roots (laughs) (laughs) oh so he was frequently a host on on that series which was walt disney's wonderful world of color and he mm-hmm. was in 18 episodes. And then, again, expands his career. Disney starts using his voice in theme park attractions. And here's another place where you Ooh. might have heard Did he voice. do Haunted Mansion? He did do Haunted Mansion. Nice. And I believe, so they changed the voices in their rides a lot, which I, I didn't know, but I guess makes sense. Yeah. He is um, still the guide into the boundless realm of the supernatural in Haunted Mansion. Nice. Oh, so I for sure heard him there. Okay. Yeah. So he welcomes great. you. I, it's been 30, 30, almost 30 years since I went to Disneyland, but I, I'm pretty sure I, I do remember. I once saw Haunted Mansion. So that's like the first thing that you hear, right? Is yeah, so the, yeah. Thing, the thing that Disney does better than any other theme park is the whole experience of everything before you go on the ride um the waits are probably longer at disney world than a lot of other places but like they do a really good job of like moving you from one room to another and there's always narration and there's always stuff happening so even though you're actually just waiting it's not like you know you're waiting in a parking lot you're yeah. you you feel like you're still like moving along and part of yeah. some sort of experience um so he uh, other rides he was in is P- Pirates of the Caribbean. He's, okay. I believe, still, I'm not sure if they've changed or not, but for a long time, he was one of the guys begging the dog for the keys. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I, yes. I know exactly what you're talking yes. about. He also just did a huge run of animated films in the 60s, 70s, and, and a few years into the 80s before he passed away in 1986, including, as you mentioned earlier, what was the name of the, the holiday car- cartoon people? Oh, Rankin and Bass. So did they do, like, uh, Frosty the Snowman? Yes, they and did. Stuff? So he is Santa Claus and Frosty the Snowman. Oh, okay. He he was in those animated Hobbit, the animated Hobbit movie. Oh, that's, I remember those. That's, yeah. uh, he, I think that's another Rankin and Bass. I think they produced those as well. And then finally, he also ha- had a big career at, as doing ADR work for live action films. So when when they would film a movie and like the actor would have too much of an accent or something like that, <laughs> he would he would redo all the dialogue. Wow. Uh, and so that that it would had like an American accent. Um, if uh, one that blew me away. So Humphrey Bogart's last film is called The Harder They Fall. I just watched this for the first time. It's very good. It's fantastic. Nine months ago. And while Humphrey Bogart was playing that, I. Uh, which he was dying of cancer and and no one really knew while he was filming it. 
and so many people on the set were like he's putting so much emotion into this uh into these scenes because his eyes would tear up like while he was performing but it was you know there are emotional scenes but his eyes were tearing up because he was in so much pain so some of the takes they couldn't get good audio from the mics on the sets they had to redo that and that happens in movies all the time but Bogart, I think, had either died already or by that point was too sick. So many of the lines that you hear in that movie, that's um, Paul Fries doing no a Humphrey way. Bogart impression. That's wow. Am- that's amazing. So this guy, I mean, oh, and I should mention, and this is what really brings it all together. He worked with the director of this film before. And when I was watching it, I was like, gosh, this animation style looks familiar. And it was mm-hmm. bugging me, and I was like, I'm not going to look it up until the movie's over. I'm just going to hope I figure it out by the end of the film. And I didn't. I don't know if you guys felt the same way. Yeah, I did feel like I had seen it in other stuff, but he, I didn't. He did the, how many licks does it take to get to the center of okay, a Okay, thank pop you. Oh, thank what? you. Because that- I thought that <laughs> 10 minutes into the movie, and I was looking, I'm like, who did animation for the the tootsie pop commercial and i couldn't really figure it out but this confirms it it looks just like it thank you so paul freeze did the voice of mr fox in that commercial that's uh thank you joe that is that's an amazing tale yeah. so i wanted to use paul freeze as a launching point for a bit of a rant here okay we need okay. to bring back we need to get the celebs and the movie stars off of the animated films i agree i've had it and i've had it for a while and it, it is a relatively recent phenomenon in the history of animated films, as Duff mentioned earlier, that that wasn't really a thing that you did. It was the realm of the noble voice actor. Now, you have people like Paul Fries, and, and how many different things did I mention where you're like, oh, my God, I didn't know that was him? It's because he was incredibly gifted at doing all these different voices. And mm-hmm. there are probably many people today that are equally gifted. And, and a lot of people from what I've read, blame Aladdin for this, that when Mm -hmm. Robin Williams' performance in Aladdin was just so famous and he was by far the the most iconic character from that film, that's when they started really going after finding famous actors to play these characters. And then, amusingly, and this was in an article, I think it was in The Atlantic that I read, that was about this phenomenon. Yeah, The Atlantic, it's called how celebrities took over cartoon voice acting. They even start like designing the characters to look like the actors themselves, Absolutely. which I yeah. thought was really uh, funny. I'd forgotten about um, Shark, uh, was it Shark Tale? Yeah. That had Robert De Niro in it. Yep. And, and then yep. they start drawing it. So stupid, there's a, right? there's a Scorsese shark. Yeah. Yes. So they, and it, it made me realize like I've kind of an, associated this with like Pixar and dream, especially DreamWorks and, and modern Disney stuff. But I didn't really realize how long Disney lasted before they, they started doing all this stuff. And I was like, you know what? I don't know who the beauty and the beast voice actors are or yeah, little mermaid. So it did make it into the nineties. There's but, a, ve- there's a pretty firm line before and after Aladdin because and, you might have, you know, there'd be like some stunt casting or things like that. Like I, <laughs> I do remember that it was kind of a big deal that Burt Reynolds did All Dogs Go to Heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, even, that, that was... Even c- Fox and the Hound, Mickey Rooney and Kurt Russell. Yeah, but that was the exception. And yep. then after after Aladdin, that's where every animated movie, you know, you had to have Tom Hanks or you had to have so-and-so. Um, 
I I remember reading an interview with uh, Billy West, who is one of the greats. Billy, he's done uh, most famously uh, Fry on Futurama and Stimpy from Ren Stimpy, but a thousand other things. Okay, and he's (laughs) he is rightfully pretty bitter about it because he's like, you know, most of these actors they're not good at it. (laughs) No, they aren't. They're Um, just they're just using their voice. Yeah, (laughs) they're not acting. And that's, you know, I think about the thing that pops to mind is the laziest is the Ice Age movies where it's like, it's Ray Romano, but he's a woolly mammoth. And it's just Ray Romano doing the same shtick he does all the time. He completely takes you out of the film. Yeah. I also don't know. I also don't understand why, because obviously Ray Romano must cost more than anyone else. And kids don't care. No. and i can't imagine adults are like oh my god are you gonna go see like i don't where everyone loves raymond fans like we better go see ice age i don't understand it and you know it's not uh, there are some big name stars who are good at it but by and large uh, as joe said like the voice actor lend it to the professionals yeah I, i think we're all in agreement on this oblio is uh i think it's either peter or bobby brady Yes, yes. I forgot. We probably should have mentioned that. Yeah, Obio uh, is Bobby Brady. I think is the the youngest Brady, and I think this was just recorded before the Brady Bunch, so he was pretty young. I read an interview with him, and he said, uh, "This is the proudest thing he's ever done, more so than the Brady Bunch." Well, well, I don't I, blame him for that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I just thought I'd point it out. It's, uh, um, a, a low bar, but. <laughs> Okay, so uh, this whole the whole reason we talk about the point is um, our listener Sadie mentioned about having this on VHS and watching as a kid and, and kind of falling in love with it and you know having these VHSs and you rewatch over and over again that were taped off TV. Who knows how? So um, I'm going to kind of open this up to maybe a little broader, but like what what did you have taped on VHS that you watched a lot as a kid? Um, it doesn't have to be animated necessarily. I, I guess I'm trying to think of something that's a little more interesting. So, like, you can't say like, "Well, Star Wars," you know, like something that uh, probably was at least to you seems special in your childhood versus Some, you know, something more things. unique. And yeah. and I think like a, a classic VHS relic. Like, there are certain movies that seem to be unusually prominent in the VHS format that I never see around anymore. Yeah, I don't know if that's like just something weird with my brain, or if that is actually well, a thing. Sometimes, I mean, things you know, things you know, played on TV, and people had tapes of them, but like they're not like you know, not really available. Like they're not like in DVD or Blu-ray anymore. Yeah, like, they might not have even made the jump ever. Could be. Like this just came out on Blu-ray, I think, recently. Yeah, like, this year. Uh, this they actually thought this was lost, and they found a private collector who had it, and they did a. It, they did a 2K HD that scan. That was Sadie. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was a this was a 16 millimeter print, and they did a 2K HD scan. So okay. That's. Uh, I'm glad it kept the film grain and scratches because yeah, it it would not feel right. Yeah. So, um, Duff, why don't you start? Uh so we had. Uh, I think I've mentioned this before in that. I think this was a way that my parents felt like we were rich in the 80s is that we had cable because we were thoroughly like 
middle class. Mm -hmm. But my parents jumped on the cable bandwagon very early in that I cannot remember not having cable. And the other thing they did is they shelled out for Disney Channel. And back back in the day, uh, Disney Channel was pay TV. There were no commercials, and it was like... It was like HB, kind of like HBO is now. But the thing was, there was very little original content, and so they just re-ran all types of weird stuff. And one thing, I mean, I taped a lot of stuff, but one was a mid-to-late-70s adaptation of Gulliver's Travels okay. that, that was half live-action, half animated. Like, Gulliver crashes on the Lilliputian island, and all the the all the little people, the Lilliputians, are animated, and it's technologically it's not very impressive, and it's I don't know if it's a great it's not a good movie. Um, it tries hard. There are songs. There are songs too. <laughs> and the other thing that's really funny is that uh, Richard Harris plays Gulliver, who is probably these days most famous. He was the he was Dumbledore in the first. Harry Potter. Oh, okay, that's why I recognize him. And he okay. was uh, a gladiator. He was yeah, the, the emperor. Um, but uh, also a esteemed British actor. But he was playing Gulliver, and Gulliver is supposed to be a very young man, and Richard Harris was already like middle aged, and he's just wearing a terrible wig. <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't know. Looking at the poster and explaining it, I feel like I maybe saw this, but I'm not sure. I'd have to it's, actually watch it to it's see. It's something that was probably run on TV a ton, but now it's, you know, it's not. Lost to time, man. Yeah. It's just something that was cheap, and Disney Channel aired it, and my, my young brain absorbed it and, ta- uh, and taped it. Uh, Joe, what do you have? What is something you remember? Um, so. Uh, I was I would go and and I I actually don't really know for sure how uh culturally present this film is anymore but the one that I watched a lot on VHS was The Secret of Nim. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, that's that's a big 80s the, kid movie. 80s mm-hmm. 80 82. So I probably got the VHS tape I don't know I I probably saw it for the first time when I was 6 or 7 or something like that. I, I have not seen it since I was a kid, but I remember it being quite scary and dark. Oh, it's wild. Uh, I've never seen it. I always In my head, I always get this confused with Fievel. <laughs> American Tale. Yeah. 80s were big for mouse stories. Yeah. Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> yeah, Great Mouse Detective as well. That would have been a little before, Was, I Were think. the rescuers yeah. mice? Yeah, they were. Yeah. Big arrow. Our next season is going to be animated mice. Rodent, <laughs> 80, 80s rodent adventures. <laughs> so uh, that was a, a Don Bluth production. Yeah. Who was, it was. another. Uh, he made American Tale, actually. And, okay. And he was probably responsible for what I think was my first, the first movie, I, the first movie I remember seeing in a movie theater, non like on its first release because I think the first movie I saw was like a re-release of Bambi but I, I I've talked sure. about that before yeah. pretty sure The Land Before Time was the first original one I saw which is oh, also yeah. a Don Bluth one and All Dogs Go to Heaven which oh. I Rob which Duff mentioned earlier was another early movie theater memory but Secret of Nim I, I came out a few months before I was born so there's no way I saw that in the theater I remember watching this videotape a lot 
and I would be I should see if the DVDs at the library or something. One thing I thought was funny because I was like, oh, I wonder if it is out on DVD. There is a DVD dubbed The Family Fun Edition. Oh. <laughs> Which I don't know if that they're <laughs> being ironic or, or what. Yeah, but it's maybe it's, it's a, not as dark as I remember, but I remember being really scared uh, by certain I mean scenes the central that. premise is that isn't it that a rat has a has two children and the two children need to move or the farmer's plow is gonna destroy them? And but they're but her kids are sick, so she needs the help of these like like medically altered rats who are super yeah. smart. <laughs> what? Yeah. They they were a series I, of experiments. That's what NIM stands for, the National Institute of Mental Health. Oh, so they wow. so it's also kind of touching on like medical testing on rats. Wow, I had so now, now I'm all Don, in. Don Bluth and his movies are very interesting because Don Bluth was a Disney animator who quit and there was basically a mutiny because this was like the seventies when Disney didn't know what the hell it was doing after Walt died. And so Don Bluth and all these dudes left and they made these like very beautiful and dark movies. Like, like Joe said, like land before time, uh, secret and Nim, uh, all dogs go to heaven. And I feel like those movies overall, like they were big for eighties kids, but I don't think, they're really being brought up by the next generations yeah i think that's fair i think land before time has legs um that's because there's 30 sequels (laughs) yeah that that could be why yeah Uh, the the one that i remember and like thank god we have internet and youtube because there's all these things that if we didn't i think would just be like i'd just be convinced were just parts of my head that i thought of that didn't actually occur um was the uh the 1960 um made for tv uh telecast of peter pan with mary oh, martin i remember that one i watched uh, that a ton oh man i had that on tape i watched that over and over and over again and like i recently rewatched it a few years ago on youtube because it's on youtube and it, like it's wild whenever you revisit something like that because you're like this is exactly as i remember it and the um, weird thing about that is for a long time that was kind of like the wizard of oz like everyone watched it when it was on Yep. And it's not really a thing anymore. Yeah, it's just that, you know, it's not a thing. Like, uh, But, I mean, it uh, was... But into the 80s, I mean, I remember my mom and I watching uh, Mary Martin as Peter Pan. I think they, eventually they did other productions, but I know Mary Martin is the famous one. Listen, I will say this. None of us are as cool as Sadie who watched The Point over yeah, and over again. Yeah, definitely cooler. So, yeah, that brings us back around. We've talked a lot about the era, but not so much the actual movie of the point because i feel like it's kind of impossible to really talk about the point other than harry nielsen it is just kind of an a literal acid trip of a movie uh and i so i I, obviously this movie hits differently at 38 but uh i enjoyed it i thought it was good though i will say (laughs) kind of long yeah yeah it, it probably doesn't need to be 70 minutes long but uh I, I, you know, uh, my son and I sat and watched it, and um, he was entertained. I mean, I think just in general, people kind of feel like there's this idea that kids are quickly bored on stuff, and, and I, I don't think it's actually true when it comes to, like, movies and TV. If it's interesting, they'll stay interested. I, I know if I had seen this when I was a little kid, I probably would have been captivated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, halfway through, he was just like, this is weird. Like, you're right. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's fun and like, it's just kind of cool. Like, I mean, the music's so good. It's, That's the thing. The music is just really good. The music's really good. And it's pretty wild 
that's something that was so challenging to authority and counterculture was the ABC movie of the week, especially because ABC is like, and still to this day is kind of like the most family friendly. Mm-hmm. Like in the seventies, like ABC was happy days. Like that was their biggest thing. And this is a whole thing where, you know, it's not subtle, but it's like, Hey, everyone matters whether they have a point quote unquote or not. And, you know, there's so much about, Oh, uh, should we follow these laws even if no one likes them? <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's a lot of, yeah. you know, it is uh, touching on the sixties a lot. It is. This. Yeah. It's a, such an extremely like it's a hippie movie, but it kind of comes after that movement had already fizzled out. Do either of you guys want to add anything about the point? The only thing I will say that I think does, I think the children's entertainment that does the message of the point better, but in less drug trippy ways and in shorter runtime is uh, the Sneetches. Oh yeah. I feel, I feel like this is kind of the long drugged out Sneetches. It's also a little bit like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer too, a little bit. right? Yeah. And okay. That you reminded me that this, this also much like those rank and bass specials has kind of a dark undercurrent to it. And that, like, the central premise is, like, this kid is taken away from his parents. And they're and, just like, oh, this is so sad. Oh, wow. Yeah, this, these rules are dumb. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. Oh, at a yeah. time when so many people's children were being sent away for a war, that was complete nonsense, you know? And it's like, oh, my son's being sent to Vietnam. Yeah. This, and that, that's so sad, parallel. but I guess they have to do their duty. That's the way it is. <laughs> Literally, that they had to go to a pointless war. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I do think it's extremely awesome that something of such a countercultural bent uh, got put on the most conservative TV network of the time. Uh, one last cool Harry Nielsen thing. He uh, kind of like after he kind of like disappeared from making music for a while and then he came back out. Uh, after John Lennon was killed to just be very uh, against like oh, uh, to become a gun control advocate. Yeah, Which, he's, he's a you know, fascinating dude. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you know, if you're if, if there's a movie you really want us to talk about, and hopefully it's as cool and interesting as this, interesting <laughs> we might not know, you can go to our Patreon, and uh, for fifty dollars, you know, we'll we'll tackle it. You can go to uh, Patreon.com/slash/TheMidnightBoys. Otherwise, you can just pay two dollars and get access to a whole bunch of stuff. Give us a Jeffo. Um, and uh, and we will be doing Bond. That is that is our our next uh, recording project. So probably in a few weeks we'll start uh, start bringing those those Bond episodes out. And uh, I just want to thank Sadie for uh, you know trusting us with this uh, with this little bit of a uh, little bit of your childhood. And hopefully uh, hopefully to you and anyone else who listened to this find this uh, interesting and learned a little bit more about this weird delightful little thing and i'm curious to see how many people are aware of the point yeah me too me too like i said i only knew it because i had like uh, last year went hard into listening to harry nielsen's discography and this was one of them i knew there was a harry nielsen movie that was animated and that was it (laughs) yeah yeah so cool well um like i said we'll be back soon and we'll be talking about james bond